This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're back in the virtual joint again for... Well, this is, looks like it's going to be the, the last... Actually, it's not the last. I was hoping it's going to be the last podcast of lockdown. But we've got one more to go before we come out of lockdown. So, listen, we're still celebrating here and we're enjoying ourselves because we actually won a game this week as well. My name is Billy Grant. Like I said to you, I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my buddies. As the alarm's gone off here. Because, you know, we ring the alarm when Brentford win a game. And as we say, I've got Laney in the house. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, it's been a mad few weeks for me. I've moved house. I've had uh, a lot of big book deliveries. So uh, the combination of all that means I've not been around. And so thank you, Bill, for, for man- man- managing it all without me. Um, it's been you know, great to listen to it all um, while I've been running around with removals, people. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of almost settled now. No Wi-Fi. But that will be sorted tomorrow, so I'm almost back in the game. But, uh, yeah, it's been a mental, mental couple of weeks. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, kind of chilling a little bit. And the Brentford win last night certainly, certainly sort of made my stress levels kind of ease away a little bit more. It's amazing what a victory does, especially in these times of lockdown, because, like I say, a lot of people are going through a lot of not brilliant times at the moment and uh, it's just amazing how much you realise how much football actually really does mean to people and how much you can actually just just make you feel good all you need is a win and it also makes you sort of kind of smile we got the West Country Liberal Nick in the house he decided that he needed to come on because he was very jealous that we got the other Liberal in the house last week Liberal Tom and he said you can't be having that you need to get me back in the place so the Liberal Nick we have opened the door to you Absolutely, there's only one Liberal and the one and only original Liberal. I think I'll get a T-shirt made like that. Actually, it'd be really good, that. Yeah, no, great to be here, Bill. Can't wait to uh, have a substantial meal with you and Lady and the others so that we could do a, a, a recording live of this podcast. But otherwise, yeah, no, I'm all well and good. Uh, haven't had such a busy time as Dave, but have been enjoying the uh, updated Griffin Park book that I got through a couple of weeks ago fantastic effort Laney well done and um, if anybody hasn't decided what they want for Christmas 
if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't got the book, put it on your Christmas list because it's fantastic. Oh, what a brilliant plug. Thank you very much, Nick. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I have to say, while we are plugging the uh, the, the Brentford books that are out this Christmas, the Griffin Park uh, final one, the black with metallic gold, it looks like it's going to run out. So if you haven't got haven't got one, get to the club shop or get onto legendspublishing.net and order that. And also we've had the Brentford Reimagined book, which was Brendan Nevin's beautiful, beautiful recoloured book. So he's taken 200 old black and white photographs and and just transform them by by putting vibrant color on them so he's works magic so yeah if you haven't got those and you don't know what to get for christmas you couldn't go further right absolutely so there we go look i'll tell you something talking about podcasts we kind of kept this one quiet because to be quite honest with you because of this whole lockdown business and the fact that you know we were a little bit all over the place we didn't think we wanted to make a big hoo-ha but this is actually besotted's 700th podcast we have done 700 podcasts which is actually quite mad and we thought tell you something let's have a bit of a party but we thought no how can you have a party in lockdown it becomes very difficult so what we're going to do is we're just going to string it out a little bit and we're going to go 750 for this big 750 which fingers crossed if we come out of lockdown a little bit or ease it up we'll be having a few more post-match lockdowns as well or post-match podcasts as well which means that we should get to 750 before the end of the season and we should have a right old knees up because we're we're planning to have tell you something if things go right and things go the way that they think they're going to do. There's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel at the moment now. And if things do go the way that we think they do, I think there's going to be all sorts of knees ups towards the end of the season, sort of in April and May and possibly June, because people have been locked in for so much. If we actually do get out, oh, there'll be parties, there'll be get-together, there'll be pub gatherings, there'll be podcasts, live podcasts. Christ knows what's going on. So I'm getting very excited myself, as you can hear. Free, vac- free vaccination with every listener to with every listener to the podcast. How about that? Yeah. Actually... That's a good way of doing it, isn't it? If you have a, if you have a, if you if you need to soothe your nerves, what before you get your vaccine, listen to the podcast while the nurse injects you. I, I, I never thought we'd get to seven hundred. I mean, I, when we first started it, Bill. I mean, it only seems it doesn't seem that long ago. If I'm honest with you, I mean, it's just quite a few years now. But if someone said, you know, you're going to do seven hundred editions and you know you'd be getting messages and people emailing us that you know just saying how much they enjoyed it i mean that's the reason we carry on is pe- people do enjoy it it's people that don't enjoy it and you know it's, it's up to them you know it's not it's not forced and um you know but i think there are a lot of people that that, that sort of you know look forward to thursdays and, and and the post post-match pods as well so you know all the time we get good feedback all the time we're enjoying it all the time you're enjoying it we'll carry on and doing it so uh, you know so um, yeah. When we started, of course, we couldn't have done this virtually, could we? I mean, we're that old now that, you know, we were almost having to arrive at the meeting venue by horse and cart, you know, yeah. Well, well, actually, to be fair, actually, when we first did it, we first did it on a train on the way back from Middlesbrough. Like I said to you, it's a 10-minute podcast. We we bought the fruit, we downloaded the app. And you only had 10 minutes on it because it was like a trial version. And I remember there was about, about eight of us and we sort of all gave our view after getting smashed 4-0 by Middlesbrough. And uh, like I said to you, if you Google it, you know, um, Brentford, Middlesbrough, you know, not 2014, I think it was, or 2015, 2014, you check it out. And from there, like I said to you, we, we, we uploaded it um, on the train from Middlesbrough and then we lost Wi-Fi. And then when we got back to um, St. Pancras, King's Cross, 
about four, five hours later, rather drunken as we were, and we looked on it and we saw how many listens it had, and we went, Jesus Christ, we better do a few more of these, and, and, and that's how it all started off, like you know. So it was a, it was quite, it was quite one of those things that just happened completely out of the blue, and it's taken a spin off. And I think one of the things that we're hoping to do for the uh, the 750, if we want to actually take loads of different clips from the old school podcast, things that we've done, because if you look back of the different sort of things that we've done back in the day, the the blind date that we did in Hammersmith that time. <laughs> We actually gate crashed somebody's blind date date as well. You know, she, you know, she was waiting for him for ages, and he didn't turn up. And then when he turned up about three quarters of an hour late, we didn't let him forget the fact that you know we knew he was on a blind date. That was hilarious, and we actually got them on the podcast. And she was mortified. And um, like I said, the Rob Rowan podcast that we've done, and interviewing various CEOs and players, and there's all sorts of nonsense that we've done the, the one to times. Ireland I still love that one the one that to Ireland, the one when we went to Ireland I really love that when we went to Dundalk yeah that was that's definitely worth a listen if you want to listen back to uh, you know to, to the B team special that we did which was kind of evolved around sort of kind of mad people in Dundalk on a Wednesday night who decided that they were never going to shut their doors for the pub they'll, they'll keep it open as long as we were inside the pub which I thought was really quite interesting <laughs> I really, really still enjoy Thomas Frank. I think that's probably one of the highlights of, of, of the podcast series that we've done. Also, I, I really do enjoy the um, kind of like the mixes up of the, the socials. You know, some of the, some of the interviews we did with some of the players, the ex-players. And when you listen back, you know, because obviously you're so busy doing the events, um, you, you kind of just sometimes kind of it washes over you like what they're saying. But some of the, some of the content was just incredible. So uh, yeah, this lots of highlights and lots more I'll tell you the other come. evolution that's gone on is the um, much more tactical discussion that we have nowadays um, you know I mean I feel like a bit fish out of water when I'm on with the Allards because he you know knocks my view of football into a hat with his experience and knowledge and his ability to interpret stats and the way forward but if you look back at the early ones by gum, we used to talk a load of rubbish. Speak, 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 speak for yourself, mate. To be honest, <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> right. We've been trying to tell you that for years, like you know. And just going back to what Lady has said there as well, talking about. Um, the live podcast which I said to you the live events are we really that's something that we really do miss I mean you know well they will be back 100% but the one thing that we did do is that we actually were going to put up our Martin Allen live event in precursor to another event that we're doing but obviously that was knocked out by the pandemic but you know now listen this event was about two years ago over two years ago and the reason why we haven't put it up is that we just thought that technically it could be so libelous or not libelous but some of the things in it we didn't know whether or not we can actually put that out but since that martin allen's done quite a few interviews since and we think that we might be able to sort of kind of chop bits out and patch it together so that we can put it out there because it should definitely be there but it is uh, it is hilarious what he what he put out there which is all good but listen on this show let just want to quickly say thank you for your support again on kofi besotted.com forward slash beer we've had loads of people supporting us on besotted for that all through lockdown in a lockdown out of lockdown really really appreciate you you know all your names all the people out there and we'll give you shouts from next week because we need to get into this podcast because we have a lot to talk about and on the show we'll be talking about um well we'll be talking about uh, talking about new griffin park 
and, and, and the stadium, because we, we, we might be allowed into New Griffin Park, which will be very exciting as well. We're going to talk about the games we played this week against Wickham, and also we played against Barnsley. We've got Will Alsop, the spreadsheet winker, and he's going to be giving some stats rundown of that as well. We've got JB with his stats and facts. He's be talking about red cards. He's going to be talking about, you know, how we did not get recent teams. He's going to be talking about old games as he does. And also, we've got QPR fan Gobi Ranganathan, and he'll be telling us how he's a little bit nervous of the bees coming down or the bees and them coming out to see us on Friday but anyway let's crack on because we've got loads to talk about Wickham and Barnsley let's chat about that after this little pring so we had two games that we played in a matter of a very few days as well Wickham Wanderers we went up to Wickham first time we've been there for ages I get to say if you want to check out the podcast we did them as well. we had a long chat you know well, with Phil from Wickham, and it was, oh, it's just, I just got lost in chat with him because he's a good bloke he is, and we talked about the old days, about Brentford and Wickham, and all sorts of nonsense that went on when we were back in the sort of kind of third tier and the fourth tier, and it was a really, really good chat. I really got into that, and I just thought, great, that's teed us up nicely for a nice little victory at Wickham, and how badly wrong did I get that? We absolutely struggled at Wickham. Um, it was one of those games where, to be quite honest with you, it, I mean, we thought the Borough game was bad, but the Wickham game, God, Christ, it was, it was, it was awful. And uh, there was no other, no other way to describe that game. We just seemed lost, we seemed unable, and Wickham actually did a right good job on us, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They they they've done it twice this season, really. I mean, they, we we played them in the uh, the League Cup, um, and they you know w- they took us to penalties. So it's not as if like we just struggled against them this time. We've, we they they've kind of contained us twice. Uh, we were flat. Um, we thought we'd come back from the international break uh, perky, and we just we just weren't. We could have played for for weeks, and we you know nothing was going to change. Um, and not not even when force came on, and you know it just it just wasn't wasn't happening. The plus side, you know, if there is a plus side, we didn't really look like conceding, um, which is. You know, clutching at straws a little, I'd say, because you know those are the kind of matches we have to be winning. We do, uh, and um, you know also we we kept an unbeaten run going. And but you know that you know I'm not a, I'm not a lover of unbeaten runs. I don't I don't think necessarily a draw is much use to us. Um, if you're if you're drawing lots of games, you we need to be winning. Um, so. It was just important that we kind of put a line underneath that when we went to, to Barnsley. But we have we are seeing that the games are coming around so ridiculously fast now. You know, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, and we are going to see rotation. We're going to have to get used to it a bit. There were calls for changes to be made. Thomas did make them for the Tuesday match. But going back to Wickham in particular, because I know we're talking about that, very, very few plus points to, to be to be brought out of that at all. And really, you know, if we can we can skip through the Wickham game quite quickly, we probably get a better podcast. But yeah, disappointment, Bill. Absolutely. And yes, I do actually want to skip through the Wickham game very much because the Barnsley game was a different kettle of fish. The Liberal Nick. I mean, the fact is, the different there was a difference between those two games, which probably came from a different in personnel and also a difference in the way that we approached it, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We were so lethargic against Wickham. We started off in sort of first gear and never got out of first gear. Against Barnsley, we started in fourth gear and rapidly went up to six. I mean, I don't know what the difference was, whether it had been the international break, the travelling that the players had done, because that's what happens nowadays, is we send off players halfway around the world, never mind just halfway around Europe. 
um, to, to go and play in games during the international break. Obviously, little time before the Wickham match for any preparation on on tact, on style, or you know any t- tweaks in formation changes that were to be made, and that was quite evident on Saturday. It was dire. I've said all I want to say about it. Contrast that with last night, where out the traps we went like a rocket and uh, met Barnsley head on and actually should have won that game by more. We can get into it. we can get into discussions further about what it was. The one one only positive I see from the Wickham game is that the toss sorry, the force and Tony argument is going. Unless we rip up our entire playing system, which we don't want to do, those two can't play up top together in the two. I think we ought to give Wickham just a little bit more credit than, than, than we have done as well. I mean, they, they are more resolute. I know they've taken a whipping um, early on in a couple of matches, but they've got a couple of wins now. They're, they're making themselves a little bit more difficult to beat. They, they drew again last night. Um, and it's, 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 you know, they were set up to kind of to, to frustrate us a little bit. Yeah, we should have had enough quality there, but that's the kind of thing that we've been missing. You know, it's just that spark of excellence, that Ben Rama bit of magic, the, the Canos bit of magic. You know, Mbwemo, you know, he's he's off the pace as well. I know, and I know that he's, you know, his assists have been incredible this this season. But the last few games, he's he's off it, and you saw his body language as he as he got subbed. Um, up at Barnsley, he, he's not happy with the way he's performing, and you know that's that's echoed throughout, you know, on and off the pitch. I, I would have thought, but you know that's that's what we're going to get. You know, it's 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 we we are sniffing around those playoff places, a couple of points away, and things aren't brilliant still. You know, things will improve, and that's why I'm I personally I'm not getting too aggy. Let's just call. I'm going to call your mind to a couple of things. Before the match, Phil, Catchpole, you know who's from the, the Singing the Blues, Ringing the Blues podcast, which is the Wiccan podcast. He said, look, if you're, if you're not up for a fight, you're going to be in a bit of a struggle. Because, listen, you know, we may not be the most skillful team in the world, but we like a good fight and we'll bring the game to you. And I think that's one thing that they definitely did. And also my friend Adam from Cherry Red Records as well, who actually he decided to subscribe to this podcast because he liked it very much last week. So, Adam, if you're listening, big thumbs up to you, mate. And you did say to me after the match, he said we dragged you down to our level and he wasn't putting themselves down but he was just saying that we know what you are like we know the kind of football we play we tip our head to it but we actually brought you down to playing football like us and you couldn't do what you were going to do and I thought that was very interesting and it's it just I think there's an indicator for us to show you that we can and other teams like us because I've heard other fans say the same thing struggle against teams like Wickham who do things like that where they drag them down to their level and they have to, we have to work out a way out of how we can actually do or play the way that we normally do and not get caught up in the battle and the fight and stuff like that. I absolutely agree with that totally. I mean, last night Barnsley, although last night Barnsley were fairly, you know, physical and, and trying to drag us down to their level, but we, but we rose above it. That's the only concern that I ever have when we play these lower, lower half of the division teams is that we don't seem to have a way of actually beating them by changing the style of play and it may be only a small small way that we need to do it it may only be a few tweaks that need to be made but last season proved to us that was our stumbling block and this season too teams know that if they come at us and you know stifle us and get us frustrated they're more than likely going to come away with the result 
if I was to plead one thing from the coaching team, I'd be really happy if I could just once, once or twice a season saw some really difficult, different tactics that actually meant that we were not not playing these lower division teams at their own game, but taking our own game to them, where we'd obviously wipe the floor with them. I mean, I understand what Dave's saying about Wickham, but, you know, they were absolutely no shakes. They were there for the taking last Saturday. And I just hope we don't rue those drop two points, you know, like we did last year. So, listen, let's get a little bit more of an insight on both the Wickham and the Barnsley game. Let's go to Will, the spreadsheet winker. He's done a bit of an analysis. And he's actually going to give us the lowdown on what happened in the Wickham and the Barnsley game. Spreadsheet Today we're going to give a rundown of the Wickham and Barnsley games. First of all, Brentford versus Wickham from Saturday. It finished 0-0. In terms of XG, Bees created 0.61 and Wickham 0.42. Somehow this was even less of a thriller than the Borough game. Neither side registered an attempt over 10% XG the entire game, and it was characterised for me by B's failing to get the ball moving through the thirds and through to the forwards. We know that Ivan only needs one good cross to get a goal, and these just weren't coming on Saturday. And worryingly, we didn't register any attempts at all from the 55th minute right through to injury time at the end of the second half. I think this was a consequence of bringing a midfielder off and essentially playing 4-2-2-2, with Force and Tony playing alongside each other. This tactical change stopped any ball progression through to the strikers, and essentially stopped us from scoring completely. So hopefully that goes some way to answering the question as to whether or not Force and Tony can play in the same team together. Certainly not in that system they can't. We had our second highest number of long balls this season, at 81, suggesting the way we tried to deal with a lack of progressive passing from defence to midfield to attack, was by lumping it long to the strikers or wingers. Wickham dealt with this well, and consequently our pass accuracy was also at its second lowest all season. Looking at his passing maps, Matthias Jensen in the pivot position spent the majority of his time passing sideways, trying to switch play and create space around the Wanderers players, rather than passing progressively forward, which is what is needed to create high XG opportunities. And Ivan Tony played remarkably deep due to the lack of service to him. His average position was actually on the centre circle, when he should be pushing much higher up the pitch and receiving the ball there. And our full backs were forced to play deep as well, giving us a lack of width up the pitch and lowering the opportunities to create overloads on the flanks alongside the wingers. Put bluntly, this was not the performance we needed after a week's break to freshen up. That instead came on Tuesday night against Barnsley at a cold and windy Oakwell. In terms of XG, Bees had 2.01 and Barnsley had 0.13. This was a dominant defensive performance by the Bees, limiting the Tykes to just 0.13 XG, 0.09 of which came in the second half in their only attempt above 3%. And whilst there were a couple of hairy moments at the back forcing intelligent goalkeeping from Raya, including Britain's excellent cross which was parried by Raya and almost failed to Styles to poke home, our defenders did not give up a single big chance for the second game running. So, what about the attacking side of things? Well, there was the small matter of our first goal in over five hours of football, a brilliant glancing header from Ivan Tony on 66 minutes off one of what seemed like a million Jensen corners, it was actually 12, our highest of the season so far. It had just 0.05 xG, meaning only 5 in 100 similar headers go in on average. Ivan showed immense skill and a healthy slice of luck to lose his marker and flick it home from just outside the 6-yard box. Marcus Force forced a brilliant save from Walton in the first minute of injury time in the second half. This was a 50% chance in a fast counter-attacking move. So, what was the big difference from last match? 
For me, it was the three subs which changed our fortunes from the Wiccan game. Jensen was replaced in the pivot role by the stronger Janelt, allowing Matthias and Josh de Silva to push further up the pitch. Jensen played much higher than before, as did the fullbacks Rico and Henrik, which contributed to lots more overloads on the wings, especially with Fossu, Jensen and Henry on the left-hand side, where most of our attacking was done. There was also much more rotation between the front three with Fossu playing. He's much more able to come inside and make overlap passes than Canos has been this season, and there were a lot of short passes between himself and Rico Henry down the left wing. This is how you create space around defenders, and it was a key part of Ben Rama's game which we've been missing so far this season. Fossu also had three successful dribbles, proving that he's skilled at driving the ball forward and beating his man, much more than Canos is able to. And for contrast, against Wickham, Canos did not attempt a single dribble. Janot in the pivot was immense, providing three interceptions and not being dribbled once in the whole match. The defence also have much more confidence in him than Jensen, because the fullbacks feel more comfortable playing further up the pitch. And if they do get caught on the break, Janot will cover them. This was a very dominant performance by the Bees, improving in attack and defence from the Wiccan game. And hopefully this same trend will continue against Shepherd's Bush on Friday night. Come on the Bees. So there you have it. Will, spreadsheet winker, he gives us good information because you can sit down there and analyse and yeah, a lot of the stuff that you know, but also a lot of little bit of insight in there. And, you know, the difference between that Wickham game and the Barnsley game for us, um, that Wickham game, we, create, we just created nothing. We really didn't. Wickham didn't create anything. We didn't create anything. You know, one of the plus sides, I think as Laney said there, we, we kept a clean sheet. And that's one thing that you know that if you're going to be going up, you've got to try and keep clean sheets because then you can try and nick goals from that. So that's one good sign. And that's one thing as well, since Pontus has come back, it looks like that maybe he's starting to tighten us up a little bit at the back there as well. The Force and Tony argument as well, a big no-go. Um, we've, that, that was a big discussion on the week last week with uh, with the Liberal Tom, the other Liberal, I should call him the real Liberal, and also uh, the Allard as well. And uh, so the Force and Tony, should it be, shouldn't it be? There's a lot of the debate going on on social media about that as well, where people are saying, look, you just got to stick them both in. They score goals, and I think that goes to prove you it doesn't really work like that. You know, you take one player, put a player in, you got to take a player out, and you're actually got, you're not feeding these players. So so that, and also Tony coming deep, the fullbacks not getting to the ball, not getting any whip. You know the long balls that we were playing, you know, which just wasn't happening. I mean, you know, it was all in there. You know, but as opposed to that Barnsley game, though, um, I'll tell you what was interesting about that Barnsley game. For that Barnsley game, for a lot of that game, it was actually quite tight. Barnsley were doing a little bit of a job on us. What they were doing is that they were. They were kind of pressing us, or they were kind of holding us back. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were making sure that when we came forward, um, their, their, their fullbacks were always pouncing on our players. You know what I'm saying? So they were kind of not doing the full-on press like they normally do, but they were probably doing a sort of kind of regulated press, probably to make sure that they could actually last out the full 90 minutes. Because trying to do a full-on press is actually really knackering. But they were, I thought they were quite effective in doing that. And up until the time that we actually scored the goal, whenever that was, we hadn't actually created that many chances, you know. So it was actually really tight. I mean, Barnsley didn't create anything hardly at all. I mean, as he said, you know, 0.13 in the whole game, you know, 0.99 in the second half. You know, they, they created hardly anything. But um, as soon as we scored that goal, all of a sudden... They had to give way. We all of a sudden, I don't know, confidence had flown back in. We were doing what we did. And then we actually started to create some really decent chances, didn't we? 
Yeah, um, I thought I thought we did pretty well throughout that game. You know, we, we controlled the match. You're right about Barnsley. They're, they're not an awful team. They obviously they gave us a game at Griffin Park uh, towards the end of last season. Um, so it was it was it was going to be always going to be a tough tough match, and it was all important just to get the points. And um, I think we were waiting for that spark. I mean, I, 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 there was there was some frustrations. I thought Josh De Silva he he had a shot that should he should have done it a million times better with. Waymo again, he blazed one over. Um, we had we had a couple of couple of semi chances that I, I think you know we, we would have converted last year, and it, we were just waiting for either the right cross or the right finish. And luckily, we got that when when Tony did brilliantly to get across uh, the markers and get an angled header into the bottom corner. And you know after that. I honestly thought that was that was it. I, I couldn't see them getting back into it. We should have doubled the lead a little, a little while afterwards. But I think scrap. We call it a, let's call it a scrappy win, a well deserved but a slightly scrappy win. And I think that's just all that matters. All that's all that mattered. Just to just to take the pressure away. Just to just to get just to get a bit more focus on looking up the division. Not that you know I was ever looking down, but it was. I think you know it just crystallises the fact that. We're not a million miles away, and I think the changes in the team it probably gives uh, Thomas Frank just a little bit more of an idea of fine tuning. You know, um, Giannelt came in, played really, really well. Um, I, I thought he was my man of the match. Um, Tariq Fosu came in, um, rested Canos, and again, you know, I've I've not enjoyed the hate that that, that Canos has been receiving from certain quarters, and I think you know he, he came on and added some energy towards the end. Um, I'd like the only the only slight criticism I, I would say, and it's not really a criticism, it's just like questioning whether he, he might not regret this, but I think maybe after um, after uh, Tony got his goal. Just given given force a little bit more time. Just give give Tony a little bit more rest because we're going to need them on Friday. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against um, force starting on Friday. Um, I don't think he will, but I, I, I think you know we we should be able to flip those two a little bit more than than, than we are. Um, and it's, it's a thought, you know. It, it's it's going to be you know 72 hours since since the last the previous match, and I, I, whether the recovery levels are there. I thought another massive massive plus Rico. What 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 a shift he put in again, and again Raya. I, I think what he brings to that team is just it's it's right there in front of us. You know his distribution. Um, he did a couple of like cat cat like saves, um, or one in particular where he, he, he kind of came out and gathered, um, and one when he pushed one away. So you know, we, and Dow's guard, he looks back on his game. I thought I thought we looked a better balanced team uh, last night, certainly better than Wickham. But then Barnsley allowed us to play. You know, they allowed us to, to push onto them to a certain level, and then they then they wanted to defend, and but they put a lot of fouls in as well. So a lot of plus points. The liberal, I'm just wondering. Our first goal in five hours, I believe it was, at Barnsley. Were you a little bit worried that we were kind of, you know, losing that kind of not firepower that we we were always meant to have? No, because you know, I mean, 
good strikers always score goals eventually and go on a run. And, and Tony has been on a run. He's you know missed a couple of games where he's been misfiring. Last night when he scored a goal. And actually you could see once he'd scored that goal as well, for the remaining time that he was on the pitch, he actually did put in, he upped his shift work as well from it looked through watching through the, the, the laptop screen. So, I mean, no doubt about that. I mean, the beauty about Ivan Tony is, of course, is that he actually... He's one of those players. He had a lot of time off at the end of last season um, because of Peterborough's season ending early. So he probably is not as, you know, he hasn't put in as many match hours as has some of our other players who played right through until July uh, and the playoff system. So we've got that, that, that. That's one reason why I think Tony should definitely start on Friday without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the rest of the team, I mean, Barnsley are impressive. They, you know, they are. They did live up on occasions a bit to the sort of northern industrial clogging team. They, you know, they weren't afraid to uh, make a few tackles and sort of knock a few people around a bit. But other, other than that, I actually was quite impressed by the way Barnsley played. I think they'll be all right this year. I don't think they'll be down the bottom. I don't think they'll be scrapping for relegation like they were last season um, because their pressing game was pretty impressive. They, they did the same to us. Um, in that fateful game last July or back in July when we didn't clinch automatic promotion and they did the same again last night and I, but this time I think we had a way around it um, zonal marking was uh, their, their let down because that's how Tony scored the goal um, their zonal marking system let themselves down badly and that's, that's why but we could, have had, we could have had two possibly three I mean to be fair let's Let's not ignore the penalty shout. I mean, it was a definite penalty for them. We would have been absolutely furious if that hadn't been given to us. But, hey, you know, that's, that's football. Evens itself out over the course of the season, so not worried about that. But, um, no, pops to Barnsley. Bill, do you think that was a red card? Um, that foul on... It was Dalsgaard, wasn't it? That, that, looked, that looked like a red from where I was. I... Th- I, th- I- I was quite surprised. I mean, I think the penalty is obviously was, you know, it was that was a penalty. I've looked at it so many times and I thought, yes, that's a penalty, but referee didn't give it. But I also called that and I thought that was a, oh, it's a definite, I thought that was a red card at the time as well, but the referee didn't give that. So it's, again, it's one of those ones where it spins around. But, um, but, you know, but just coming back to the match as well, I mean, just quickly, um, listen, Thomas Frank had to make some changes this time because there were things that just weren't working right for him. You've talked about the 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 the, the Canos scenario and Fossu because we were asking the question, what you know, what was Fossu must be like in training because if he's not been given a game all this time, you know, what's he like? I mean, I'm just wondering again if Fossu still maybe doesn't quite do the defensive thing because I know speaking to Thomas Frank Lowe's, he loves his players to be all-round players. So you know, at the time in just just to silver. At the time when when you know I was asking whether or not he's going to play, and this was like very early days of Don, Thomas Frank's Frank's career, and he was like going, he still needs to build on his defensive game. He needs to build on his defensive game. And now he's up there, and he's obviously he, he he expects a certain level, and it just wouldn't surprise me whether Fosu he believes it's the same thing where he feels that Fosu has to develop an all round game before he'll actually put him in and make him a starter. And I think you know he's earned his stripes in that last game because he definitely gave us the energy. He definitely is, is doing a lot of things that we expect him to do. So I think that was good. Jano, obviously, as Laney said, was fantastic. And, uh, you know, what, what a great stand-in for Norgard we've got here. He's, he's a reliable player and, he, and he's all over the place, which is, which is all good. And uh, But I'm just wondering whether or not you think that Thomas Frank may have waited a little bit long to make these changes. 
Well, yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, but you know, it's, it's always a big ask for Canos to go and play on his less familiar and less comfortable side, you know, and obviously to stand in and you know or replace side Ben Rama. I, I thought I always thought that was a big ask, um, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've just documented a lot. I've said it a lot, you know, about you know, how he is still recovering from a very very serious knee operation. I know he's fit, but you know that is going to also knock your confidence. He might be a yard slower. You know, we might be finding out this. Him. but he doesn't lack passion and he doesn't lack effort and that's why that's why the, the horrible things that some people are saying about him and to him and directly to him on, on Twitter are just so so out of order how can you be a fan and, and, and say those kind of things to your, your own players I, I think it was unacceptable if that's if that's the way no no if that's the way that people of players abuse our players I wouldn't call them fans of our club well, you know, it's just it's you, you have to, you know. I, I think we, you know, we're all struggling that the intensity of the matches when they come around. I think we're all we all need um, the release, the Brentford fix, and you know, if we're not winning, it is it is kind of a bit frustrating. But you know, kind of put things in perspective. Listen, in the end, we got four points. Good games there as well, and it bodes well for the weekend. But QPR, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But listen, we need some more stats. We need some more facts. We got JB. And he's got a few more stats and facts with us, always accompanied by a little bit of funk. The Liberal loves a bit of funk, don't you, Liberal? Oh, funk me. <laughs> no, no thanks. We shall move on. Are you ready for this? I told you were coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. Just rounding off the international break, as you mentioned last week, the match between Wales and Finland did see XB Chris Meppham come up against Marcus Force, if only for the final few minutes. It was the first winner of the B Team Player of the Season in 2017 against the winner in the following season. Amazing, it was only three years ago they were both lining up for our B Team. Back to last Saturday, and we shouldn't have been surprised by failing to score at Wickham. In eight of our last 11 visits, we haven't registered a goal. One stat Glad didn't get added to at Wickham was our record of red cards. Of the current championship sides, they're the opponents we have had the most sendings off against. Six players have taken an early bath in these games. Joe Allen, Richard Kennedy, Mark Peters, Sammy Moore, Ben Sagosta and James Wilson. This week, 131 years ago in 1889, the very first Brentford side took to the field by Clifton House for the club's first ever match. The teams changed into their kit at the nearby Griffin Pub and had their game against Kew finish 1-1. However, as the visitors had turned up half an hour late, kick-off was delayed until 3.30, meaning the match finished in semi-darkness. So that was JB. A few more stats, a few more facts, a few more red cards. We didn't get the red card, actually. We, we didn't. We, we weren't going to get a red card at Wickham. You, you didn't think so, did you? No. Nah. No. Nah, not at all. No, not at all. But listen... Things are shaping up quite nicely, like I said to you, as we go to the QPR game this week. He says that, as before the Barnsley game, a lot of people were saying, oh, I'm not quite sure about this QPR game. I'm a little bit nervous about it. But we'll talk about that a little bit later, because what we now need to talk about, we need to talk about Stadium, New Griffin Park. And the fact that, due to the relaxing of the government regulations, they have said that they're going to be allowing fans in Stadia. As from the 2nd of December, which is very exciting. So 4,000 fans will be allowed in Tier 1 areas. Um, 2,000 fans will be allowed in Tier 2 areas. And there'll be no fans 
at all allowed in Tier 3 areas. The question is, which tier will Brentford FC be come December? I mean, as it goes, people think that we might be in Tier 2, but then you never know. We might be moved up to Tier 3, which means we can't see any games at all. And very, very unlikely, we might be in Tier 1. But yeah, And we also don't know how these tiers might fluctuate, because maybe after a month or so, if you're doing very well, you might go up, down, you know, up a division or down a division. You might get relegated or, or promoted up a tier or down a tier. So um, the question that we've been asking, and I'm sure a lot of you fans have been asking as well, is what is the fairest way for fans to be allowed back in Griffin Park? Because, or New Griffin Park, as we call it. Um, because it looks like we're going to be allowed there in the very near future. So what is the fairest way of letting fans back and i'm going to just throw it open to you because also we've asked you guys out there and we've got your feedback as well laney well my first thought really was to go with the taps you know that was that was kind of what brentford had already had a system that was set up to uh be able to reward or prioritize uh loyalty of of fans over over a period of time so you know um for that for, for it to be used when we actually probably need it for the first time ever um, is, is, is seemed the most sensible way of doing it. Now, a lot of people have said on our WhatsApp group that the TAP system was really, really set up for prioritising away allocations rather than the, uh, the home ones. But I, I just think that with, with manpower um, at, 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 at really, you know, at, at a premium at the moment and, you know, the, 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 the need to get it right, I, th- I, don't, I, don't, see it, I don't see anything wrong with, with making those that have been to the most games over the last five, six, seven years, um, including, see, you know, their, their, their continue, you know, we get a lot of tap points for buying a season ticket every season. It kind of it encapsulates all the things that need to be rewarding. Now, I am an England fan member. You know a lot about this. Well, I was an England fan member. You know more about this, Bill, and I'm sure you'll explain how that's set up in a minute. But they've got a system where it's partially down to loyalty and um, you know um, your, your 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 attendance record. And there's also some. Um, Goes out to you know more random um, um, into the into a ballot. Now I do think younger, um, more more recent fans need to be getting into games too. You know they're the future. It's just okay looking over your shoulder and looking at the oldies and the people that have been going forever in a day. You know they're not the only Brentford fans, and you know we do need to strike a right balance. But until the end of this season, I think we should have loaded it very heavily to those that have bought season tickets for the past five, six seasons and those with the most tap points. That's my personal opinion. Liberal. My heart sank, actually, when I heard the news, whenever it was, that fans would be let back in um, because I think this is just so riven with difficulties that I really don't know what the answer is. Um, I'm not entirely certain I want to go to a game where I'm not certain that my mates, I mean, you know, there's no no guarantee that you, Dave, or I would be um, attending the same game, um, let alone uh, other members of our crew uh, would be there. So I'm not certain I'd want to be attending a game where I didn't have all my mates uh, in, in attendance able to moan, moan with. Uh, and then, how are you going to decide, as Dave said, who who gets in? 
I mean, football's all about money nowadays. Let's not beat about the bush. And there uh, is not a cat's chance in hell that some of the people who have spent a large sum of money, let it be said, on purchasing the executive boxes and the executive premium seats at Lionel Road will not be expecting, uh, sorry, New Griffin Park, will not be expecting to get in when uh, the season resumes. And I think, you know, we've just got to accept that they'll be in. Then, yeah, you've got some of the younger element who goes to the games. But I mean, lots of us, lots of people have been got into the Brentford habit by going as a family. Um, Sons have gone with um, their fathers. uh, Sons have gone with their mothers. Daughters have gone with their fathers. And those are the type of supporters that we've really got to look after as well, because they are the future. I, you need the wisdom of Solomon to solve this problem. I do see the thing that taps, you know, ticket allocation points are there for a reason. And therefore, I think you've got to allow at least 75% of the 2,000 people. And 2,000 people in, in what, an 18,000 seater stadium? We're all going to be rattling around in there, aren't we? Um, it is a difficult one to solve. I think 75% should go on ticket allocation points. 15% should be allocated to the um, premium ticket holders because I think we've got to recognise that they have put their money up front and a lot of it. And then, you know, that leaves a little bit for, 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 for the rest. I mean, there are other issues as well. For instance, somebody pointed out to me the other day that the stewarding might be uh, an issue. Uh, lots of uh, people who do steward, you need to be registered, you need to be licensed as a student, steward nowadays. If you haven't got that licence, that licence needs renewing once a year. Um, lots of the stewards haven't had any work since March to do, uh, whether it be, and people who are licensed, they'll steward a Brentford game, they might go to Rangers, they might do a Wembley, they might um, be, be bouncers at a nightclub, what have you. A lot of them have had no work since March so and, and can't afford or haven't chosen to renew their licence. So there'll be a lot of clubs in London scrabbling around to get hold of stewards, etc., um, transport arrangements, you know, will you be expecting people to arrive on foot, um, trains, buses, you know, there are limitations on, on all this. Really difficult way to work out. But I put a lot of negatives there. And, you know, as I said to you when I started this tirade, I um, when I saw it, I thought, oh, God, how are we going to solve this problem? At? I thought to myself, do I really want to go through the whole hassle? And part of me thought, no, but I tell you what, if I get a chance to be at New Griffin Park for a game, I'll be there like a shot. Listen, there's been a statement from John Varney, pretty much as we've been recording this podcast as well. Um, As people may know, if you're season ticket holders, they've sent out a, a survey to you so you'd check your email you know check your junk mail if it's not there as well um, for anyone to basically give their feedback as to how big their group will be and if they're interested in actually taking up the offer of going to a game because there are some people that are saying actually I don't I'm not interested I'm not going to go until there's fans allowed in the whole stadium I don't want to go there when there's 2,000 fans so they're getting a gauge from that so definitely fill that in you've got until the 29th of November to fill that in as he says the current the club are currently working through the information and when they've got more information on the tier um, what the tiers will be which is on Thursday um, then they'll be able to sort of work out um, have inside the stadium who includes and expected soon now this is interesting the total in the stadium will include a small allocation of seats for supporters that purchased premium seating or premium season ticket holders in the dugout bar area those supporters will be contacted separately by email in the coming days 
Whatever number we are working to, we will ensure that each ticket group will have a fair split of the overall allocation. And then he talks about other stuff about, you know, hopefully we'll get in the stadium. This is a good sign, everything like that. Now, to me, that was a very interesting uh, little kind of uh, point that he's thrown in there. Listen, I've got no problem. Everyone's got no problem about people coming to games, coming to games at Brentford. But this was a question that has been thrown about as to people were asking whether or not if you pay money in the priority areas, will you get priority over people who had been there for a longer period of time? And I think that this indicates that that is the case. What they're saying, in effect, is that if you've bought a premium seat, you won't be, if, even if there was a tap system, you won't be under the regular tap system. You'll be under the kind of you've bought a premium seat system. So you will also get in underneath that system as well, which some people might say that's fair. Some people might say that's not fair. Um, Lady's given his thoughts on whether or what he thinks is right, what he thinks isn't wrong. So as the liberal, I just want to make a couple of points myself. Listen, I understand it's a complete and utter nightmare. First of all, this pandemic situation has thrown everything up in the up in the air. B, of course, we know that the club, everybody will love to get as many people in the stadium as possible. So this is a very, very difficult situation. What I will also say is that, you know, we do have something that was put in place, whether or not people agree with it or not. But it was put in place, you know, after the Southampton game, basically because we had a game, a cup game, and they allowed anybody to just turn up at the ticket office and buy tickets. And literally, Tom, Dick and Harry just turned up buying 10, 15 tickets and they sold out in a couple of hours. And so that meant a lot of people, including people like myself, you and Lady, we struggled to get tickets for that Southampton game. We know a lot of people that didn't get tickets and end up going to the home end and get kicking out, kicked out, and all sorts of grief was going on. So... That was put into place for a particular reason. Now, whether or not you think it's right or wrong, that's that's not the issue. And we've gone through various cup games with it, where they've used taps for cup games, used taps to allocate tickets for away games, which the allocation may be less, you know, like the Fulham away game, for example. So this has been used for a particular reason. I have a theory to say that, you know, if you're a Brentford fan and you've been going for a while, you've been going to games, to be quite honest with you, you can get hold of a ticket. So Chelsea away, everyone was was really nervous that they couldn't get tickets, but anyone could get a ticket for Chelsea away. Fulham away, even you know, even though it was down to you know season ticket holders, it went down to sort of quite a low um, number of the tap points before actually kind of season. I think it went down to like the third day of sale, and people still got hold of tickets then. So I believe that you know if you want to get hold of tickets, you can do so. The, the value of the taps, I mean, I've got a lot of taps. I've got I don't know. You know, thousands, four thousand plus. I don't know, like ridiculous, like a load of taps, and I never even look at it because you just know, you know. I've been to my games up and down the country. I don't, I don't go to the games to accumulate taps. I just go because I enjoy going to the games, and it's become a side issue. And to be quite honest with you, for most of these games, Chelsea, wherever it may be, it's never really been an issue. It's never been in the back of my head. But all of a sudden, you've got one situation where you think, actually, these taps that have been there which really haven't had a great value has actually got a value to it and there's a there's a danger that all of a sudden they're being the 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 value of that is being changed and 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 for me i've got a bit of an issue with that you know not necessarily for myself but just for everybody because you, you sort of think what is the point why do people go to these games if you've been told that you've been getting something and this is what you're thinking of in your head it is a little bit unfair to sort of change it at the very last minute because you think that oh well you know we need to sort some other people out I just think that's a little bit wrong I think if you're going to change anything you have to do it up front 
you need to let people know and also the other thing is that if people have accumulated taps at the end of the day they've done it through loyalty for the club they've been going to watch the club when the club probably wasn't very good but they've still been there and if you're going to be if you start turning around saying actually those aren't haven't got any value anymore what 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 are you giving back as, as a repayment for those fans to say tell you something we really appreciate what you've done we really appreciate you went up and down the country when to be honest you wasn't called to be a Brentford fan yes we're going to take those away now but what we're going to do in return this is what we're going to give back to you for your loyalty but that doesn't seem to have been done I'm not saying because nothing's been said as yet and I think that these are the conversations that need to be had at this moment in time Laney I, I think you, what, you, what you just said is right when you said like you know you collected them not to collect them as necessary but you, you accumulated them because you've been going to lots of games the way I looked at the tap system was almost like a safety blanket I mean I, I I thought I always knew that if there was a game or if there was a situation where I really, really needed to call upon my loyalty, I, it, I'd be all right because I had loads of them. It's almost like I bought, I bought my AA or RAC membership, not because I thought I was going to break down every week, but whenever I did break down, I, I, I'd be all right. They'd come, they'd, they'd come and bail me out. But it's like saying when you, when you, when you actually your car is beginning to splutter, they're going to go, well, we're not going to come out and we won't sort you out now. It's, it's, it's kind of like that safety blanket's been taken away. Now, I, I, should, I should get in. I, I feel I should get in. You know, with, with 40 years, 40 years, you know, there'd be some people saying I've been there 75 years. But I've had a season ticket for a long, long time now. And I've been going to pretty much most games home and away for the last... Ten years, probably. You know, for me not to be in that game, not, for me not to be in those in that four thousand, I I would say is a bit perverse, if I'm honest with you. But you know, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to miss out if I think the system is fair. Now I you know we'll we'll see. The proof is now in the pudding. A lot of pressure now on the club to get it right, Bill. Yeah, two things. One of which is we're not talking about four thousand. We're talking about two thousand. Uh, which really highlights the problem. We will be, we'll be in Tier 2 with 2,000. The, uh, London will be in Tier 2, which allows 2,000 people in. There's no way... Yeah, it's still the same issue. doesn't matter. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but, I mean, if it goes down to 2,000, 2,004, I mean, you know, 2,000 sounds, sounds almost a nothing figure compared with 4,000. I mean, you know, we all... We all, we all we all, but it will go to. It we will all, go to I 4, don't. Well, I'm not when, we, when the, the tier system, system will change, and we all know what a crowd of four thousand looks like because we've been there. We've been in crowds of four thousand. We've very, very rarely been in crowds of two thousand, and, and, and know what that that looks like. I mean, the only bright side I can see, possibly for the first few games that we're readmitted before, you know, is that actually there will be a a possibly quite sizable proportion of season ticket holders etc who don't want to go to the game for health reasons because they'll be shielding they don't want to put loved ones at risk etc etc so that may help the club out of an issue but I, I agree ev- with everything that that that, that you and uh, Bill have been saying Dave so don't get me wrong on that score but what I would say is that also to the club you signed a charter when the taps, the tap system came up, you signed a charter that said this is how we will allocate um, s- s- tickets in future when for, for, for games when we've got limited capacity. If you're going to rip up that charter, you've got to approach that with great care and you've got to explain to fans exactly why you're doing that. And I have to say that... Th- 
that bit of communication bill that you read out just answers asks so many more questions than it answers that the club have got to get the comms right on this and unfortunately their record on comms we we have been brilliant on field in recent seasons off field we have been less good and it worries me is that we're just going to absolutely create a whole storm you know s storm because of, of this as we go on and you know we will lose and the club will lose loyalty, it will lose supporters if it doesn't handle this the right way. OK, so Lainey, I mean, I mean, I know you sort of said tax, but can you think of any ways which you think we fear to allocate these tickets? I, I think what Nick said, I, I, I can't, I can't um, argue with the numbers there. I mean, I'm, I know we're kind of plucking numbers out of the sky a little bit, but I mean, 75% to, to go to the, the, the loyalist um, for, of supporters over a period of time, which is the tap system. Can't magic another system up. Um, and then I, I, I agree that we do have to look after the corporates and, and, and those people that have bought, um, you know, uh, executive premium tickets you know there's a lot of them are, are absolutely you know normal fans like like you or I um, and that they they've just decided to sp- spend a lot of money on on a on a new Griffin Park experience in their first season they may not do it for the second or third or whatever but for this first season there they wanted to you know they wanted the best possible experience and they decided they wanted comfy seats and and beers and pies and all that kind of gubbins chucked into it we decided not to do that but it's, it's their choice and it doesn't make them less of a fan you know and I don't but I don't equally I don't think it makes them more of a fan but it's just that that's what they decided okay I mean and I'll, I'll be sort of devil's advocate here as well you can still be in comfy seats but still be part of the tap system and still be you know if you're saying they're Brentford fans have been there for a while they'll also be part of the tap system as well let me just come back to this as well because listen Again, it's about diversity. It's about sort of trying to get as many fans in as possible. Obviously, you can't get everybody in for every single game. You know, if we were going to Man United away and we only got 2,000 tickets, they're going to have to find a way of allocating those 2,000 tickets. And I think this is kind of quite similar. Um, Like I said to you, I mean, I've been a member of the England fans since literally from day one, from the, the early 90s when England fans started off. And what happens with the England fans, they started a system which is like what we do with the taps. It's called the cap system where every game that you go to, in every home game, you get uh, a certain amount of caps. And when you go to away games, you get a certain amount of caps. Interestingly, actually, for England, you actually got more caps for home games than you did for away games. Because what they decided to do is that they decided to try and reward people for going to home games, trying to fill Wembley Stadium and pay for Wembley Stadium you know, <laughs> and the away games. But you still got um, for, you still got caps for away games. So... What they what you found is that when you got to tournaments and tickets were allocated in this situation on a cap system basis, you know, if you've got tickets, you know, like say for yourself myself, I was a high capper, so I'd get tickets all the way through to the final because I'd got an, a, a large amount of caps, whereas some of my friends would maybe get a ticket for a couple of the group games and maybe one of the, the knockout games. And that worked out because they were going down to see how many loyalty points you got and then they'll cut off you know, depending on how many people um, applied for each game, which is kind of similar to what happened at Brentford. After a while, England decided that they need to get more diversity within the whole fan base. And in that way, it meant that if young people had decided to join England fans, but they couldn't get any tickets because the people that had been going for years were constantly going to games and building up their caps and the younger people couldn't actually overcome them. They said, what we'll do is we'll go, tell you what, we'll go 70% of people will go on a loyalty basis and the other 30% will put them into a ballot. So that so somebody who's got no caps at all can still, if he wants to go to a game or she, 
can go into a ballot system and that person may get a ticket for a game. The interesting thing is that all the England fans actually thought that was really fair because they thought, listen, I'm getting my loyalty, but also you're giving the opportunity to somebody to come through the ranks and build up their caps and also get a ticket for the game. Now, this type of situation, I think, would be very fair if Brentford introduced it, I don't think they should introduce it now because it's something that you know you, you should have looked at six months ago and, and put it into place. But things like that, I think, are things which actually make people feel a little bit more comfortable because it's a balance up between the loyalty and also giving people in other areas the opportunity to get into games like you know what's happening now or get into big away games, big cup games. Laney, I, I, I do have to say, and then I'm not, I'm not pointing a finger and and you know saying you know, expecting too much but it, i think there was always a there was always a good chance of this this happening you know uh, it was always going to be a phased return to football it was never going to be straight back to capacity so the club i would have thought have actually probably already thought about how they're going to do this. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to ignore the survey. I'm not saying they're not going to listen to what pe- what the input is and 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 maybe take up ideas they've not been able to come up with themselves. But for the last six months, it's it's been pretty obvious that you know there would be a, a gradual return to increasing the capacity or the, the attendances until we get to a stage where the vaccine allows for us to actually have full stadiums again. I think they probably had have had already lots of meetings and probably have some sort of protocol how they're going to do this. It, 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 it just doesn't come as a, as a surprise. When Boris mentioned this a couple of days ago, they weren't going, oh, blimey, we need to react, we need to react soon. They, I, I am almost certain, have it in their mind how they're going to do this. I hope that they've spoken to or will speak to Bees United and Bias, um, the Brentford Independence Association. Sports. No, they're talking. They're, they're talking they to them. Talk, so yeah, there yeah, are yeah. conversations that are being had. Excellent. You know. So, like I said to you, listen. This is all good. You know, listen, these conversations need to be had. Our thoughts need to be aired. You know, but we're not. This is not just our thoughts. These are other people's thoughts as well. And like I said to you, we're gonna. You know, you guys there as well. We've got uh, a number of comments from fans. Some of them tongue in cheek, but some of them are quite serious as to how they think it's going to be fair to to allocate these tickets. And I mean, I'll go through them. I mean, Wilfred Day, Wilfred Diego. He says, anyone who's wished harm to any Brentford FC player or staff, get to the back of the queue. That seems fair to me. So, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, I think that's a little bit of a little, little bit of a sideswipe at the 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 the, the canos. Uh, there's a difference between detracting and actually being pretty nasty and pretty violent and horrible towards somebody. So that was a, that was an interesting one as well. Um, Harrison Korotki said, season ticket. Holders and people with the most loyalty points have to be first in line for the seats, and you know he's sort of quite adamant about that as well. You guys, you got any? Um, have you got any thoughts? Any? Any? Have you, have you, anybody's thoughts on there as well, which you thought was quite interesting? I, I just think it. I, th- I think the the the, the sort of selection really shows how many different people are, are, have got different opinions and all of them are valid you know it, it, there isn't there is there is no perfect situation to what is an absolutely awful situation 2000 people into a, into a stadium then hopefully as the tier system changes and we you know the the the, the, the amount of people in the area is, is you know contagion rate reduces then 4000 and then then probably 8010 that's the way it's going to go but it's important the club 
get it right and they need to be clear in the decisions um you know it's a thankless task but you know i think loyalty must be central to this delorean gray actually and i think liberal nick would like this actually he said if you're old enough to remember when 4,000 home fans was optimistic you get first dibs yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there you go, Dolores Gray. Well, but I mean, you know, if you look through as well, Stephen Tiller says, you know, I'm hoping Tier One. Sorry, Stephen, I know that you're going to get that hope, or uh, possibly I'll, possibly I might get a ticket for Exeter. They might be in Tier One, but maybe allocate tickets half and half, so to season ticket holders and half to general admission, which would mean more people in our stadium. That goes with the ballot idea as well, and you know, and I think you know. Steve, Steve Beer says a fairest way is season ticket holders by rotation with any tickets not taken up made available for members to buy. You know, but you look through the responses to, to, to what we put out on the on the on the Twitter. It's absolutely divided, as I think, you know, we are as well. So, I mean, the important thing is and Luke Rich Kerr says something like 75-80% to season ticket holders on a rotation and maybe run a type of raffle where fans with previous booking history can win a ticket. Charge £10 and if you don't win, you get an iFollow code to watch it instead. So that can can include season ticket holders who don't have a ticket that week too. I mean, there is lots of people with sensible suggestions here. I encourage anybody at the club to have a look through the besotted Twitter feed to see what people are saying, because that gives a good... I mean, a lot of people here are making some some interesting suggestions and certainly ones that ought to be thrown into the pot. I mean, I think Tebissimo's idea is probably one of the best ones. He says, I say let's just have a massive penalty shootout Um, (laughs) on the pitch, yeah? My footballing skills means I won't see you to the year 2050. Uh, that's right. 4,000 person penalty shootout. We'll probably be there till sort of kind of a 2024 for that one. But listen, lots of discussion. Very interesting. To be fair, they're going to have to sort out things pretty, pretty quickly. Lots of discussion about this. We'll find out pretty soon because, like I said, the first game is on the 5th of December. And if, you know, if the thumbs go up, we get a big thumbs up from, from Boris on Thursday. You know, we could be kind of like kind of really, really kind of putting the motors in to actually get some fans in for that first game on the 5th of December at home to Blackburn. And then after that, like I said, we've got a few other games as well, you know, which are going to be coming thick and fast after that. We've got the Derby game on the following Wednesday on the 9th, the Reading game on Saturday the 19th. The interesting one is Newcastle in the Cup on Tuesday the 22nd, which is a game that I think a lot of people would like to go to. It's a quarter final of a Cup. It's a night game um, underneath the floodlights and it's actually going to, you know, it's going to mean something. Not saying the other ones don't. And then we've got Muff on the 29th of uh, of December just after Christmas as well in the holiday period so listen it's not too long to sort these things out so it's going to be an interesting few days for the fans and for Brentford FC but tell you something it's going to be interesting few days as we get ready for our West London rivals coming down to Griffin Park they don't like coming down to us because we normally do them good and proper but nothing's set in stone because things are all gone a little bit awash amiss this season and you just never know. Listen, we're going to come back after this little poing and we're going to talk about QPR. So, big West London derby is on the way. QPR coming down to Griffin Park Friday night. I need to find out a little bit of information on QPR. So I'm going to chat to my chum, my buddy, Gobi Ranganathan, QPR fan. He's going to let us know exactly what's going down in W12. Gobi, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Great to talk to you. Yeah, nice to chat to you, man. Listen, you, you, you seem a little bit mellow. What's going on? 
I'm worried. <laughs> you know, the West London derby, recent results over the years haven't been great. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, listen, maybe you know, maybe there's not no no need to be worried at the moment now, man. But listen, just just in general, I'm just wondering, I mean, how's life been for you? Obviously, since the last time we chatted, since the last time we played, there's been all sorts of lockdown business. Like you know, you don't live in West London; you live just outside of London. You know, in the Stevenage zone as well. And uh, how has this whole thing affected you, Gobi? Yeah, it's been difficult to be honest. I mean, as a situation, it's not something I'm used to. Um, you know, we, you know, we're quite social creatures when we go to football, and and me personally, I'm a social person, so I love going out, travelling around, going to footy and meeting people, and not being able to do that, it's a bit of a killer, to be honest. And watching watching footy on the box, I mean, it's all right, but it's just not the same. No, I mean, it's not the same as well, and I have to say as well, you. You know, are an England para badminton star. I mean, I'm not being funny, but you fly all over the world, in and around your QPR games. You know, you play badminton. You know, in different countries around the world as well. And that's just come to a halt. I mean, how are you coping with that? It's been a nightmare. It's turned my world upside down. In all honesty, um, you know, some people who aren't particularly as active or social as I am wouldn't necessarily notice the change as much but for me like you say I'm jet setting all over the place I'm traveling up and down the country watching ranges you know I and I'm active I'm proper active out and about all the time and from literally doing all of that to pretty much being at home uh, it's a killer mentally and physically it's a killer <laughs> you know so uh, it's not ideal so I, I can't wait to get back to some sort of Normality. And, and as for QPR, I mean, Warburton, he's been at the helm now for 18 months. I know we've had quite a lot of conversations about Warburton, especially when he first came in and you were really expecting quite a lot. You were expecting some attacking football. You wanted to sort of change the sort of kind of demise that QPR are in. 18 months down the line, are you happy with him? <clears throat> Overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, the style of football we've had, especially just before lockdown. I mean, we were playing some fantastic football and we were free scoring... Um, defensively, defensively still a bit frail but ultimately we were playing some great football it was really easy on the eye really exciting to watch um, and then I suppose post lockdown it's not necessarily been the same but we've had a lot, quite a lot of personnel changes you know we've lost a lot of goals in the team we've lost Eze we've lost uh, Naki Wells we lost him in the January transfer window you know we've lost a lot of goals in the team Eze's gone you know um, we've lost Naki Wells um and then Jordan Hugo we had on loan as well. So that's a lot of goals to replace. But I'm happy with the signings we've made. It's just not quite clicking properly in front of goal yet. Um, but we're still playing some nice football. We, you know, we're having a lot of possession. It's just that final third. It's just not quite happening for us um, since the lockdown was lifted. And yeah, end of last season, start of this season, we've just not really performed as well as we could do I think um, but I, I'm, I'm still happy overall because the side that he is putting together uh, despite the personnel that we've lost it still looks decent you know we're still frail in defence but um, yeah I'm happy enough to be honest and I was going to ask you about that I mean obviously defensively you know you've got Barbe in defence as well, he's an ex-Brentford player. I mean, I really like Barbe. He's such a lovely bloke. But to be fair, he's got a fair few mistakes in him. Yeah, he does love 
to give away a penalty. I mean, how has he been for you? Amongst the fans, he's a bit marmite, to be honest. You've got myself like like you. I, I really like him. I think, you know, he he's, he comes in with some amazing tackles when you don't expect him to. But then there is a mistake or two in him pretty much every game. And it's just whether it's going to cost you a penalty or not. I mean, we've actually, between him and Rob Dickey, <clears throat> we've conceded quite a few penalties in the last few games. And, you know, it's just a bit frustrating, especially when, you know, we're playing so well up front, or looking good, you know, possession-wise and having a nice lot of play. And then a silly mistake at the back from Barbe Dickey is costing us, you know. Um, and we can't keep doing that. And that is the, that is the worry. But personally, like Barbe, yeah, I, I, I quite like him. Um, like I say, it's just that one mistake and whether it'll cost you or not. And I mean, QPR traditionally have been very shaky defensively in the past few years. I mean, it's we'd say that's a bit of a trait of Warburton. You know, wherever he's been, he kind of seems to concentrate on attack, attack, and the defence side of things. Even when he was at Brentford, probably didn't take the highest priority. It's been a problem for you for a few years now, and you saying in effect that you haven't really fixed that. And is that probably why your nerves are coming for the game on Friday? I'm a little bit nervous about Friday purely because. I don't know what it is. Whenever we play Brentford, we just seem to not show up. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. Whether it's just because we're on Sky, or whether we just, or actually, even when we're not on Sky, we, we get to Griffin Park and we just don't seem to turn up. And and then we, you know, we get turned over. You know, I think we've been turned over quite comfortably over the last few years. Um, but yeah, in the main, it's not necessarily that game that makes me know. It's just. There's times we look really solid and then other times when it just doesn't gel on the pitch, we just look a bit suspect. And that, But then that goes all over the park. You know, you can't just point the finger at the defence because actually if the midfield aren't holding it up properly, then you're, you're putting more pressure on the defence anyway. So I think that what I'm trying to say is ultimately when we play really well, we look, we look good. We look good going forward. We look fairly decent at the back. But then... When we're having a bit of an off day, yeah, you just you just do worry a little bit, and uh, we tend to have an off day against Brentford on a regular basis at the moment. I mean, on the pitch for QBR, the players that I automatically look out for is I say Bright Samuels, and he scored. I think is it two goals. He scored at least one goal and not two goals the other day against Rotherham as well. And he's a player that, if you look around, Brentford fans are always going. We should look out for him. I know that there was a rumour that he was going to be going abroad. I think it was to, to one of the, the Belgian clubs last summer. But that didn't really happen. And a few Bees fans are saying, listen, we wouldn't mind plucking him if we could do from QPR because we're still looking for a, a wide option. There's a wide option that we're still missing a little bit at Brentford. And some people think that Bright Samuels might be able to bring that to the Bees as well. But also looking at QPR, I've seen that Lyndon Dykes scored four goals and he seems to be carving out better chances than Ilias Chair. He seems to be carving out better chances than Ilias Chair, who's also scored four goals. I mean, who's doing it for you, Gobi? Lyndon Dykes has got the four goals, but all his goals have come from the spot. Now, the thing is, he's not really had too many chances sort of in anger in front of goal. But that's not to say he's not playing well. He holds it up really well. You know, he he's physical. He looks like a... a a decent striker. He's just not had those open play opportunities to really capitalise on as yet. And I don't know if that's the style of football we're playing that's just not quite clicked for him or that's just a, a problem in general in terms of creating chances for him. Um, 
care has come alive more in the last last few games. Um, hence why he's getting his goals, and he's had a couple of nice finishes in, in those as well. Um, so I don't think either or... I mean, there's not necessarily one standout player between those two or you know any of the other signings. Um, even Bright, you know, Bright say Samuel, I mean, he's, he's been brilliant for us like over last season. This season hasn't quite started so well. Um, I don't know if the, the transfer speculation unsettled him a little bit and, you know, he wasn't sure where his future was going to lie. And, and then obviously fans are kind of a bit impatient because they're not sure whether he's committed to the club or not. But the last couple of performances, he's, he's definitely started to look more like his old self and especially against Rotherham last night I mean he was causing them especially in the first half he was causing them all sorts of problems um, there's a lot of potential I think in a nutshell there's, there's a lot of potential in the side it's like I say they're still new they're still working you know working each other out but hopefully once it clicks you know they'll be not just bright say Samuel in the side that's a problem for teams there'll be whole host of players that we can look out for you know like like you say Dykes you know he's getting rave reviews from in the in the Scottish team you know so hopefully he can come alive you know and start scoring from open play as well Ilias Cech and hopefully start filling the boots of um, Eze um, and then some of the some of the other signings you know we've got hopefully will come good as well so I don't at the moment I don't think there's one standout player as such but they are working well as a unit uh, but we just need to step up just a little bit more to really sort of threaten teams on a regular basis. So listen, I mean, just just flipping it back off the pitch a little bit as well. Just talking about you know the two clubs and you know how our community works with our clubs. I mean, at Brentford at the moment now we've got a Beast fan Jamie Powell who we're trying to raise money for. Over three hundred thousand pounds has been raised from over last week. Actually, twenty thousand pound went from the club via the iFollow um, donation. But also, I noticed for yourself as well, QPR. I mean, you're properly was involved in the community at QPR as well, and they do some great work. They've got the Kyan Prince Foundation. You know, who's a kid who was fatally stabbed in 2006 with a, with, with a knife. And uh, they've got this foundation which basically um, is committed to combating knife crime and, and forms of youth violence as well. And also QPR did a lot of work with Grenfell as well. And I know that you were involved in their community scheme there a lot, weren't you, Gobi? Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of through my badminton and just uh, in their supporters, um, supporters club as well, as a supporters committee. Um, I've had a bit of dealings with, with the foundation um, and they've, yeah, you know, they've, they've been brilliant. I mean, they, they do so much within the community, not just, it's not just on the field stuff, you know, that we, we, um, we're known for, you know, in terms of like, you know, QPR as a football club, the stuff we're doing in the community really is worthwhile. And, and two of the projects you mentioned there, the Grenfell and, uh, for the Kyan Prince Foundation, I mean, those sort of things are really, really sort of important you know especially we're not, we're not a big club we're not a big club and we need to show that we are not just a club that just takes money from people and puts on football you know we're part of a community we are you know part of people's lives you know and for some people football is a major part of their life but actually you know QPR go beyond just the football stuff you know, they're, they're helping people get on their feet. They're helping youth, you know, uh, the youth of today trying to develop and those, you know, who have who've had troubled sort of lives, you know, they're trying to build them and 
make them into something. And that's that's not just about football. That's just about improving life. And you know, let's face it, we we love football. You know, love football. But in some ways, there are more important things than football. And and QPR are showing that through the power of football, which is quite clever. You know, I, it's I can't put into words how how pleased I am to be part of that. You know, part of QPR and you know, with the work they do. It's amazing. So let's bring it back to Friday's match. So tell me something, Gobi, what are you expecting? Because like I said to you, you're a bit nervous going into this game. But to be fair, looking at you, you do score, you know, okay with scoring goals. You're probably just slightly below where they expect you to be and the expected goals as well. And again, you do let in goals. You're probably just slightly above or slightly below where they expect you to be. Actually, you probably should have just let in a few more goals as well. Where do you see it coming with Brentford, who at the moment now are kind of still trying to move into second gear, really. I mean, like I say, I mean, the form book goes out the window when we play Brentford. I mean, we get to Griffin Park and then it just goes all pear-shaped for some reason. I'm hoping that doesn't happen on Friday. But but looking at it as the two teams, I mean, Brentford always going to be a threat. I mean, you know, you, you lose your star players from last season and then you get Tony who's banging them in. So all of a sudden, my eyes are thinking, well, is he going to score? Or how many is he going to score on Friday? You know, so... That's that's a big worry for me, but they're not detracting from what we've got to offer. You know, like I say, we've got we've got a change in personnel compared to last season. You know, the players we've got in, if they click and they they do all right on Friday, you know, we could cause Brentford some problems. And you know, it's it's just the unknown. We haven't found that consistency yet, and that's the problem because if we were consistent consistently playing well and looking like a threat every single game I'd fancy us to, to do alright you know but at the moment we're playing a couple of games that are really decent and then we get a game where we're a bit sort of slack and it's, it, you know we're, we're prone to making a lot of errors and then we get turned over so it's kind of known which Rangers side is going to turn up but then at the same time we've not had a, a settled team as yet you know we've not had the same same lineup, really, for more than two or three games. I think, really, you know, that's one of the problems as well because it's still finding out who's going to be the form players in the team. And at the moment, because everybody's kind of performing well, but there's not there's not necessarily an outstanding player that say, right, that is the first name on the team sheet. You know, whereas last season we would have said, right, right, Eze would be the first player on the team sheet. We haven't quite got that yet this season, so there's a few, few players that are kind of chopped and changed, you know, depending on the fixtures. Um, so I couldn't even tell you what sort of lineup we're going to have on Friday. You know, I couldn't reel off the, the starting eleven straight away because there's probably three or four that probably change, and depending on what the changes are, will kind of determine how we play. So it's all a bit up in the air, even for us, to be honest. So even Osei Samuel is not really a starter. He started. On uh, against Rotherham last night, and I think he started on Saturday as well against Watford. But some of the games prior to that, he hasn't started. Now I don't know how much of that is down to the whole transfer speculation and commitment to the club, but he hasn't been a regular start until the last few games. Um, likewise, Lyndon Dykes, because he's been on international duty, he hasn't started. Um, like he didn't start against Watford. Um, I think chairs probably are most regular star at the moment. Um, and even Albert Adoma, we've got Albert Adoma in, but he started a few games, but now he's been on the bench a few times. 
So we haven't got necessarily a fixed sort of attacking lineup that I can say, yeah, he's definitely starting. You know, Lyndon Dice is definitely starting, or you know, Matt Bond is definitely starting. We we haven't got a guaranteed sort of starter, as it were. But I think that's just partly because of you know players trying to get settled and players going on international duty and players trying to find form. It's 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 all a bit of a Oh, not mismatch. It's, it's just not a consistent lineup at the moment. Same problems with QPR as with Brentford and all the other teams. With this fixture congestion, means there's a lot of rotation, there's a lot of injuries, there's a lot of question marks, and that's probably why a lot of the results are going out the place. So, Gobi, I'm going to ask you, mate, though, give us a score prediction. Oh, um, I would take a, I'll take a one-all draw. So, Gobi's on the one-all draw. Hoping that the scores will be even, Stevens, as we play on Friday night. Fingers crossed, Bees need to get a result because we need to be start climbing up that table. Because, like I said to you, you know, we've, we've had a few little signs out there and we looked pretty good against Barnsley the other day, but we need to keep the momentum going. But listen, Gobi, it's been really good chatting to you. Fingers crossed, it'll be a good game on Friday night. Fingers crossed from our perspective, the result goes our way. But listen, whatever way, let's enjoy yourselves, mate. And let's uh, let's go into December with our fingers crossed as well. That You know, talking about that as well, because, you know, there, there, there is a chance that we actually might actually see some live football soon as well, isn't there? Let's hope there's some sort of live football. I mean, I can't wait if that is the case. You know, I've missed going into games and it just, OK, you know, it won't be the same amount of crowd and all the rest of it. But just to be able to watch some live football and add a little bit of atmosphere in, into the stadium, you know, I'm sure whichever 2,000 or 4,000 are in the stadium, you know, I'm sure they'll give it their all and make a lot of noise just to try and make up for the missing thousands there are. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's hope for football in general, let's hope there's fans back in because, you know, with some of the other craziness we're seeing, you know, with you know people allowed to do this, that and the other, it's just, for me, it's mad that we can't go and watch football outdoors you know socially distanced and why we've not been able to do it already um, is beyond me but let's hope let's hope it happens soon let's hope it happens soon Susan Govey I'll chat to you no doubt on Friday night after the game (laughs) that should be good so yes Gobi Ranganathan good bloke Gobi as well like I said to you England Paralympian Oh, he plays badminton for England, goes all around the world, but he watches QPR loads and he is very nervous about the game. And it's funny that because, like I said to you, we, a lot of Bees fans were nervous going into this QPR game. We normally do them over, but this time we're thinking, oh, we're not quite sure about that. And I think Barnsley's probably kind of sort of kind of stopped a lot of those nerves jangling, but still it's not a given. And let's just have a look at our result going into this QPR game and definitely check out um, Ian Westbrook's match review as well he always does a preview of the match really really good on besotted.com so check that out on besotted.com as you can do as they say Brentford have lost just one of their nine last meetings with QPR in all competitions winning seven times in each of the um, winning seven times and in the last three as well so uh QPR have conceded two plus goals in each of their last nine matches against Brentford in all competitions. The last side to do that in 10 straight games against the R's were Coventry between 51 and 56. QPR have lost 18 of their last 19 matches played on a Friday in all competitions, winning only versus Aston Villa in this run in October 2018. 1-0 they won that. 
During this run, they've lost to Brentford on two occasions on a Friday in October 2015 and October 2016. Remember them very well. Brentford have lost each of their last 10 London derby matches in league competition on home soil, with four of those victories coming against QPR. And Brentford striker Ivan Tony has been directly involved in 16 goals in his last 11 home league matches across spells with Peterborough and Brentford. That's 14 goals and two assists. So that sounds like a 1-0 win to QPR then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I'd, I'd, you, have to, you have to kind of um, be a little bit wary, don't you? Uh, but, you know... We we are due to slip up in one of these matches. We we had, we had the double double in the West London games last year, um, and you know QPR have haven't been awful. They've been they scored three goals last night. I know they conceded a couple. Uh, you just got to be a little bit hopeful, more hopeful that you know now we 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 can got back to winning ways we can sort of push on from there we won't need winding up we won't need any incentives the, our players are more than aware of what the game means to everyone on and off the pitch uh, and you know I think we're going to push on and raise raise our game so yeah I mean the, the sequence will come to an end at some stage we, we're not always going to beat them um, but I'm not sure it's going to end this Friday night as the great Mr Gillam says um the visitors will have to beat us 9-0 on Friday night to go above us in the table, So, and that ain't going to happen. Uh, I think as well, I mean, Warburton fall, always falls into the trap as he allows us to play football. Um, and any team that does that is likely to get a tonking from us. Or no, not a tonking, sorry, but we're, we're, likely, we're likely to win. Uh, I'm quite happy with, um, I'm, you know, I'm quite happy that we've come off the Barnsley game Ivan Tony's got his scoring boots back on. Um, I think we've got players who really understand now the importance of this fixture. Uh, so not only do you have Peter Gillam going on, I think you'll have somebody like Pontus as well in the dressing room reminding the crowd that this could be the last game that the, the team play without a crowd, um, but they'll want to put on a t- performance for the TV too. So, you know... I'm quietly confident. Um, I don't see. I don't see QPR's winless run against us coming to an end on Friday night. I pray. I mean, QPR. They're good at attacking down the wings and created chances through individual skill. There's got some good skillful players as well. Weaknesses of avoiding offside, defending against attacks down the wings, protecting the leads, you know, so even if they go ahead, they just can't keep it as well. Stopping opponents from creating chances, defending counter-attacks. What's interesting as well, you know, if you look at the statistical side slightly, you know, they're slightly ahead of the game. So the expected goals for is 17. They've actually scored 15. So they're, they're, they've actually scored less than maybe they, they, they should have done as well. And against as well they've actually let in probably slightly less than they should have done so hopefully if we create the chances that we can do we actually put them away actually we should actually kind of do all right against QPR um, so you know they're kind of slightly underperforming in both ways um, and again Gobi talked about you know the players you know he talked about you know Bright Samuel who you know we're all thinking oh my god you know dangerous player but he's like going mm, sort of kind of you know he, he's, he's doing all right some games he's right sometimes he's not he's in and he's out you know talked about Ilias Chair who's kind of playing fairly regularly and you know he's scoring the goals but he's just saying that none of them have got the consistency and they don't even know what their first 11 team is going to be so in a way that's kind of a good thing for us because we've kind of gone through that to a certain extent but I think we we kind of know what our first 11 team is now and if our first 11 team is on fire we kind of know what we're going to get out of it so I think with that Barnsley game 
was a big one for us for confidence and in knowing how we're going to to tackle QPR and I don't think they're going to be too um, happy coming down to New Griffin Park after well after that game on Tuesday night and I think you know a lot of people have said you know without a crowd there there's something lacking it's very difficult for the players to raise themselves to kind of get that needle to get that like tingle of adrenaline but either from a from a from a roar or a crowd or chanting or whatever uh, having a, having the grudge match that might be able to give us the opportunity to raise our game and you know the players in that team you know the Sergio Canoses the you know the, the you know the players that have been there for us for several seasons they'll be able to instill the importance of the game and as you said Gillum will be in there giving giving them sort of a, a proper proper blast before the game so you know I, I'm confident and I, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident now we beat Barnsley talk about confidence and give us a score prediction Laney uh, 2-1 Brentford the liberal Nick 1-0 Brentford and the Billy the B Grant I'm going to go 2-0 to Brentford so <laughs> All confidence is back. QPR are coming down. Fingers crossed we can do what we're going to do. Interesting week with you coming out of lockdown in a week's time. And we're going to be in December and we're going to, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to do it very safely, but I'm really looking forward to seeing my friends back in the pubs and watching the game in the pubs and fingers crossed maybe get to a match if, if, we, if we come out the ballot right and they use the tap system and whatever they may do. But we'll talk about that later. Like I said, just besotted Pride of West London podcast. I want to say to you, just remind you quickly, Jamie Powell, they've got an auction now they've got all sorts of things that they're auctioning out so check out the besotted twitter check out besotted facebook check out the brentford site just google jamie powell auction brentford fan and they've got all sorts of stuff they're auctioning off there so definitely they're getting edging towards the three hundred fifty thousand pounds that they need so thank you for everybody out there for donating and doing what you have to do like i said to you besotted other than that like i said to you thank you for supporting us as well besotted.com forward slash beer and you can buy us a beer if you like us if you you know if you like what we're doing and we'll just keep coming week on week but like I said to you, my name is Billy Grant. I'm here with Laney Man in the house there as well. I'm there with the liberal Nick, the fake liberal. He's not the real liberal. We got the real liberal on last week. The one and only. <laughs> the one and only. And we are looking forward to keep you We're looking forward to keep you coming down to Griffin Park, new Griffin Park on Friday night as we say. Come on, Ubies. Ubies. Let's beat those R's. Come on. They're scared of us. Come on, Ubies. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.